I'm slowly bringing you all up. And um, if you get an invite and you don't want to come up, that's fine. If you do come up, we won't call on you. We just encourage everyone to be part of the conversation because we learn from one another. Give this maybe a 30 seconds, 45 seconds more, Kelly, and yeah. if anybody else wants to join us. So how's everybody's weekend been going? Busy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Do, doing anything fun? Is anybody doing anything fun? No, I guess not. Hey. I'm I'm just doing like chores, so nothing fun planned. <laughs> I'm just getting my weekend started. Uh, it goes they go slow. Um, with the with the crazy weeks, I try to just ease into the weekend. That's good. Yeah, I know. I just have been so tired this week. Oh, my goodness. It's been crazy. I could just sleep and sleep and sleep. And it's not depression. I'm just tired. <laughs> and, well, and, and, and Artie, I think you're right, too. There's something that's so nice about, you know, having the, the pressure of no agenda on a Saturday that you can just move about your morning slowly. That's just it's such a gift after being, I know we all are so busy during the week. So, so true. Yes, absolutely. Well, I got up and was disciplined enough to get my yoga out of the way, so that's good. Yeah, I did the same, but I had a really nice big cup of coffee as well, so that was good. <laughs> and I just want to thank you, Mako, for the recommendations on the loose tea. I really appreciated that. Oh, no problem. I'm stealing mine right now. Ah, oh, I got to still get mine, so. But I do need some caffeine desperately. Okay, well, um, we can go ahead and get started, and I want to just thank Amrita for uh, suggesting the topic for today. Um, I'm just going to open the room here. Most of you all know what this room is about. It's really just learning to lead. It's about Real Talk Leadership, and we just, again, really encourage everyone to be participative because that's where we learn, and um, we got a pretty robust uh, discussion to have today, and again, Amrita, I encourage you to ask questions because we want to you know, really tap into the wisdom of all the various leaders in the room today to help you with that. Uh, again, just encouraging anyone who might be new just to DM people in here. This is a network you can build from. Um, we are an official clubhouse. We're here every Saturday at 930. And Kelly, I'm going to turn it over to you so we can get started. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just add, um, I mentioned last time there's this new feature, this back channel um, I already have, you know, new feature request from the developers to fix it a little bit more. But um, as a side, it is a great way to connect with individuals within here within the app. But I noticed they do not have an indicator when you have a message. So I've been very delayed in seeing messages because of that. So reminder, that feature exists, super helpful, but also keep an eye on it. You might want to check it every now and again to see if someone from this group or another clubhouse you might be joining has messaged you and is reaching out. So with that, on to my favorite favorite portion of the, the session, I would love to go around the table and hear what is the one word that wraps up how your week went. What did you learn? If you reflect a little bit, what did you kind of take away from your last week? And with that, I'll start with Tom. I will go with cautious. I have a lot of change going on and I'm just approaching it with a very deliberate and cautious uh, outlook. Ooh, interesting. Yes, I can understand that. Mako. Uh, I'll go with tired. I'm very tired this week. I have a lot. All right. Hopefully tired in a good way, like in a super productive way. But I can, yeah, I know we all, we all have those moments where it's just a busy week and it takes a lot. Courtney. Um, I'm going to pick, uh, happy. Um, I just feel like a few things kind of came together this week. Um, and so I'm going to say happy. I love that. Always great to have a week that leaves you feeling happy. Artie. I'm going to go with reflective. Um, there's, I've had a, like Tom, I've, there's a lot of change going on right now. So I'm doing a lot of reflection and soul searching, uh, for myself. That's good. That's great. And I'm already hearing again, it's like a, a theme, a couple different, you know, a lot of changes going on. So as we talk about even today's topic and future topics about navigating change, 
Amrita. Thank you. Um, it was fast, super fast for me uh, in general at work. Things have been changing, especially in August, things will be changing. So just anticipating what those are or prepping, prepping for the ones we know of. So it has been super fast, but fun, I should say. That's great. Chuck. I would say um, exhilarating. I've been looking for new job opportunities, and this week was this. There was a ton of great progress and movement in that um, in those opportunities. So yeah, it's been it's been really great. Nice. That's great. Congratulations. Sounds very exciting. Valerie. I would say refreshed. Um, I just had a two-day work week, <laughs> three days of vacation, Monday through Wednesday. But prior to that, had three, four weeks of um, ramping really quickly. And you know how that can be in a new role. And so, um, you know, took the three days and came back and it was a pretty slow couple days. So I'm feeling, feeling refreshed. Thanks for asking. Great. Happy to hear it. Tamara. Okay. Uh, I would just say that, um, you know, I was choosing between productive and focused and there was a lot of, uh, challenges just in, in, in difficult conversations. I felt that, you know, I was able to kind of recalibrate the conversation and make it productive. That's good to hear. And then for mine, I think I would say steady. Um, I'm, I'm similar to a few folks on the call already mentioned a lot of change going on where I am. And I think I found that what really I was focusing on and what I was trying to do and spent most of my time doing last week was trying to be steady, steady in my, my way of approaching change, the way that I'm working with my team regarding change and, you know, navigating the environment both for myself and my team. So it was really about remaining steady um, through all the changes. So I always love that. I always, again, love to hear everybody's going again. I think this opens up always opportunities for us as we think about, you know, future topics. But also, I'll always remind that this is always a good habit as we talk about, you know, being able to be reflective of what we're learning and what we're experiencing. It's very easy to get super busy and just kind of run through our days and our weekends and our weeks and just kind of not really take a moment to pause and ask ourselves well, how did that week go and what did I learn and how did I feel about it? So that's, that's definitely why it's my favorite, uh, favorite portion. Cause I think it's a good reminder for me, but I always love to hear kind of how everybody else is, is, you know, thinking about that and reflecting. So today's topic, um, again, Amrita, thank you for sending us a topic. I always kind of offer that to everyone. We love recommendations for topics. And this one's really about approaching new leadership. And I think that this would be a great one to go at from, really two angles. You can think about it as yourself. So how do you navigate stepping into new leadership positions? And that can be reflecting back on maybe when you made a big step in your career and got to a specific level that asked and demanded a lot more from you, as well as what is the advice that you give to new leaders on your team? And how do you help them navigate what the kind of steps they need to take and in moving into those, those new roles and how they, again, need to be even focusing on you know, what is your intention? What are you, what are you standing for? Kind of what's your values? How do you approach it? And what are some of the even tactical tools that you can use to be a successful leader? So this is a big topic. It's a super meaty topic, but I, I'm hopeful that everyone will, again, as Tamara said before, be able to kind of share some of those insights so we can learn from each other as we think about our own careers, but also for uh, people on our team. So let's start first. Maybe we'll start with the Kind of how do you start with you from a team perspective? So any advice or things that you would say from folks that you've worked with? And I know a few folks have moved into different roles. So as you're working with leaders on your team that may be new to your team or new, new positions, like what's some of the advice that you give them on how to navigate or step into these new responsibilities and scope that they have? I'm happy to go since it's fresh for me. Um, so at Apple, there's a lot of um, leading through influence and in various levels. And so my three or four weeks recently was a lot of input, a lot of listening, a lot of asking, you know, what's working, what's not. I use this um, start, stop, continue framework when I'm talking with new people. 
Um, I'm actually working with people who are in my pre previous role. So I uh, just try to maintain that credibility and not get too disconnected from their reality as well. Um, and then just build trust uh, by listening, but also by either teaching or offering them something that helps them to uh, understand that I have their best interests at heart. And that's what I've been focused on um, the past few weeks. And it's been pretty, I've felt pretty successful in establishing uh, those relationships and, and stepping into leadership. And sometimes when you move from really a peer into leadership, I think that can sometimes be a challenge. Um, but you need to establish yourself more as a leader and uh, delineate from that peer relationship as quickly as you can. And I would just kind of tap into that, you know, that, you know, I've experienced and I've also, I've also seen other leaders that will come in and, and they're like thoroughbreds, you know, I, I'm a fast thinker. You know, I'm a visionary in many ways, but I also, I find that I have to pace myself. If I go in too fast and too hard, then I can shut everything down. So it's real important to pace yourself, go slow to what you said, Valerie, very important about just listening, get, being curious, get into the gimba, see what's going on in, in the, in the, within the team and within the system itself before you start trying to make changes and you start trying to, you know, make make some some expectation that may not be reasonable. Identify the mind that I, I call it the minefield. Don't step into the minefield if you can avoid it. Just take some time to pace yourself. I think that's great advice. I mean, I've often seen you know leaders come in and then the first thing they do is just throw out a whole bunch of stuff of this is this is what you're doing wrong or this is you know what how you built stuff wrong or, or with a lot of preconceived notions. I the advice I always give to new leaders under me, it was always just basically shut up at first. Listen, like you got, you got a lot to, to learn about the team that you're taking on, but also something that I, I recently read, I don't know, probably earlier this year, which I really loved. And, you know, I've tried to adopt a little bit is creating what's called a blueprint and really putting it out transparently. And with the, you know, the blueprint, think of it almost as like a read me for, for you. These are, you know, Hey, these are my quirks. These are the things that I value. This is, you know, the, the things that, um, you know, you want to communicate often and consistently have it up there. But this a few things just about like me and the things that set me you know, that either sort of set me off or, you know, set me down a bad path or, you know, the things that I want to try to uh, adhere for the team. Uh, and you keep, you know, wanting to release new versions of your blueprint over and over and over again, just to, you know, cause you know, your quirks change and, you know, things, information changes. I think just really exposing yourself transparently to your team is super important. I love that idea. Um, and can you expand a little more on how you use the blueprint? Are you sending it out to your team? Are you using it for yourself? Are you using it in both ways? Uh, for, for me, I, you know, whatever tool you use internally, whether it's blogging, Confluence, whatever, you know, I always just try to, you know, uh, you know, I try not to email it, uh, but actually really just want to have it written down in a place that's transparent and visible so that, um, you know, the team can just have, have, you know, just quick visibility to those things that I can always rest it, you know, uh, always reference it. So, you know, I have quirks. I mean, those that have worked with me know that I have quirks too. And I, I like to actually throw them out here. And like, this, these are the things that drive me nuts. Like, for example, like if I get a status report, it's always, always green and everything's wonderful. That's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> so, you know, if you, if you come to me with, with, with assumptions, not data on how to do something, those are, those are things. And here are the things that I value. And this is, you know, the things that I'm going to help protect and, and really try to, to help the team lean in and learn from. Mako, do you include like the, you know, your strengths and, and the things that they can depend on you for? Because I think that would that would be really powerful as well. You know, where you like to spend your time, where you think that it's you want people to come and ask you questions about X, Y, Z or get help in this area because it's something that um, that energizes you. Or is that not necessarily? I, included I, found, I found that useful. I think, you know, another thing for me, it's like I, I don't like, uh, like one of my quirks is I hate going to a meeting without an agenda or derived actions, you know, it's just the meeting for the meeting for the meeting. Right. So, you know, one of the things I, I put in there, for example, is like, you know, if, if we're going to, I'm, I'm totally cool with having meetings. Let's just go in with, you know, a, a very, you know, always put an agenda in your meeting and what you expect the outcome to be and what the action should be. And always after the meeting, communicate those actions that you decided on. If there's no, 
you know, thing there, then that is something that kind of sets me off because that's, I feel like I'm just wasting people's time. So again, I think it's, it's something that, um, you know, uh, can be adjusted over time and it's something you got to consistently iterate on. But also I think to your point, like these are the things I can help you with. Like my, you know, my focus is on, you know, be helping you become the best you, you know, really as, as, as people that work for me and what here's, you know, what I'll fight for in terms of, you know, um, education or mentoring or whatever you want. You know, I, I think it's, just, it's important, I think as a leader to throw those things out. But equally, not just what you're going to do for them, but like here, here's my stuff. Like here's something I'm working on that I know I'm not good at. So you, you got to really be aware and very self-aware of the, the things. Yeah, I think what's what's great about that example and that kind of approach is it's reinforcing transparency, right? Because I think, you know, I think on both sides, both we as leaders and as we are growing future leaders, it's it's reinforcing, you know, again, who are you? And I love the idea. It's not just about, you know, how can I help you and, you know, what do I value? Those are important, but also this is the, this is how I work. This is my style. So even Tamara, to your point, right? I'm a fast communicator. So I'm going to generally appreciate, you know, conversations or meetings where you're going to kind of get to the punchline. What is it that you need from me? Where do you need input? Where can I help you? And then we can have a conversation. But if you think you have to come in and do this slow build to a point, like that's not going to work for me. That actually will probably drive me a little crazy. Um, and I've had meetings with other folks that have had new leaders come into their organization that have had this exact conversation with me. Tell me the quirks. Tell me what I need to know about this leader. What are they like? What don't they like? And it was a very interesting, as I think about now this conversation, because if that leader would have just introduced themselves to their team and said, this is who I am, not only what I stand for, what my value, what my values are, what culture I am going to be reinforcing here, but this is also who I am and how I work and my style and where we can work successfully. And so you understand and you're not in this guessing game of, how do I navigate this conversation? Or as Tamara, you said, right? What are the minefields? What's potentially going to be an issue? I'd rather just know that up front so we can get to know each other faster versus me trying to figure out through, you know, just, fig- you know, walking through it and kind of, have, again, stepping on minefields or, or you know, success and failure moments and just how do we yeah, skip ahead? Know, Kelly, though, I, I do think it's it's equally as important to not only identify not the minefields, but the values but, but honestly, it's like, these are things that I am working on too. You know, these are the things that I need to improve or I have been given other feedback and this is how I collect feedback. Um, like, you know, I need to not talk as much or something, or I need to, you know, listen more. And if you see me doing these things, call me out. I'm trying, I'm trying to work on these things too. I think it's very important to be, you know, have a lot of empathy and just really put yourself out there. Yeah. Vulnerability is critical. You know, because you're, if you live in some kind of a bubble, you're never going to know really what's going on out there. Yeah. I, I love all of, all of this. Um, couple of things that I can share. Um, one that I wish I had, you know, stumbled upon earlier in career. And I think I've mentioned it on former, um, calls, but big believer first 90 days framework. It's an established framework. Even when you're moving within a company, highly recommend it. It gives you some of what we've been talking about. Like, how do you really calibrate with your new team and with your new leader and what you're going to be focused on? Um, there are also two books. Um, one is called The Manager's Path, and it is really intended to be What's it like to move from a peer into a leadership role? So another thing that I wish I had had more guidance on when I made that transition. Um, and then there's one that I don't think has been released yet, but it's been showing up in um, my social media feed. And this one's more focused on engineering management. But if you're moving into an engineering role for the first time, engineering leadership, um, it's called engineering management for the rest of us. Um, and it's the author is somebody that I also highly recommend following. Um, but a couple resources that I think are um, helpful, definitely double down on the first 90 days for sure. 
And I and I would ask others to just kind of throw out as you think of them, you know, these resources, because that's another thing that um, was requested is some of the different resources. I would also add, I think that a real fundamental, you know, um, book, uh, depending, remember, you know, when you're stepping into leadership, you could become a supervisor, you could become a manager, you could become a, a director, senior director, vice president, et cetera, and on the, all the way up. But I think one real fundamental resource, too, is the Effective Executive by Peter Drucker. It just kind of gives you that manage yourself foundational tools for getting started. That's another real solid one for anyone to have. Wow. These are some really solid, uh, you know, um, reflections and advice that that I am uh, that I have been hearing here. Um, One question I have uh my my domain of work is mainly um like enterprise architecture and platforms where i'm constantly you know managing or influencing sometimes without authority some engineers or you know reference architects or just collaborating um where i you know i i don't have like a direct uh site line of sight um on how or what they are doing to help me or you know i maybe i need to push forward uh, is there any recommendation on like how um i don't know possibly something where it, uh, that can explain or maybe focus more on uh content based on maybe how ma- how indirect management works when when you are put in a position like that um where you are apart from your own team you you are also uh dotted line to someone and it's a new team possibly in a different region maybe and uh you know um just just thinking about that yeah i that's a fantastic question and a situation or a dynamic that i think a lot of us get into i would still propose that first 90 days framework, it will really give you a way to outline, like, here's how I want to work with, like, whomever you're dotted lining to, or even who you're trying to influence across a peer group. It kind of gives you this, I think, a really great way of framing up calibration and working agreements, and how are we going to work together? Um, So, if you if you haven't had access to that, I think it's a really really great way to think through the um, the situation that you're describing. Yeah, I, I have to agree. You know, I've I've done the 90 day uh, the thing as well. I think it works great. I'd also plug uh, Extreme Ownership uh, by uh, Chaka Wilnick is one that I love as well. Um, I think the thing, Emerita, that you're asking about is you know is one of the more difficult aspects, especially when you have, you know, responsibility, not ownership over something. And there's very, very distinct, uh, um, uh, challenges that can, <laughs> that can arise when you need to deliver something yet you really don't own it. And I'd, I'd say the key to it is, is ultimately trust. And that's the thing that, you know, by spending, you know, that, that 90 day framework will, will really help you with is, is really, you know, evolving that trust model with that team that you're working with. So true. Thank you. Yeah, I, I would, I, I'll I, was go ahead, add, I was just going to add real quick too, that I think that um, as you, you know, as you're working within that kind of a matrix and I guess again, and with an influence without really a subordinate model or anything of that nature is just really to, really strive to understand the value and the goal of the people that you're, that you're working with, the, the leaders you're working with, the teams you're working with, and to frame your expertise and frame your delivery based upon those goals and those values really helps to, um, in, in, to, to come across in a very confident way and come, come across in a very, um, that you're, that what you're bringing value to them, that you're bringing to them something that they can work with and that can help them to be successful as well as yourself. I, I find that if I, if I frame things that way, it helps me be much more successful. Yeah. I would just add, I feel like, you know, and, and for those that, that have known me and, and we've worked together, I spent a lot of my career doing exactly what you're talking about. Um, not, not necessarily in engineering roles, but a lot of my career was growing as a leader without 
direct responsibility or ownership over the big projects that I was responsible for working within. And I would echo, I think, you know, the, the great advice already received here about, you know, the 90 day plan, because it comes down to really defining what success looks like, right? What success looks like as individuals and as a team and what we're trying to, what we're trying to accomplish. And that could be shipping a specific product that could be working as a cohesive team. There can be many ways, but I think, you know, to Courtney's point, you know, understanding and walking through kind of what that looks like and ensuring that there's, there's the blend of listening and understanding and then understanding that also, you know, our job as leaders is not to do all the work of everyone, right? Or to feel like we all of a sudden have to be the one that's completely accountable for everything. It's about building a team back to Mako's point too, that's, that inherently is, is, is foundationally built on trust so that everyone is contributing to what their expertise, their skill set, their passion, why they are there, and they feel empowered and valued to do so. And that's one of the hardest things to do as a leader, but that's where we have success both with our direct teams, but very much with indirect teams. Everyone needs to feel like they're in a trusted environment, that they are valued, and that they are heard and seen for what they bring to the table. That's when you see teams coming together to be able to do amazing things. And that's also is is more natural you know I mean I, I love to get to a point with someone where it doesn't feel like if I'm asking for something you're asking for an update you know cadence or not if they're just willing to provide that and vice versa you know then you know you have that trust established and, and that built-in you know peer accountability or, or whatever level I, I think that that's that's when you know that you get there is like when you when you're looking for something and someone picks up the phone and answers you know that is great advice. <laughs> yeah, something yeah. something okay. that's been helpful for me when I when um, having new leaders come is allowing them to like take a breath, right? And 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 allowing that says, hey, it's okay, just be patient. I made mistakes as I was coming up, you know. I learned from those. Just just be patient and you know be yourself. And we will, we will work together and we will grow together around what does this really mean? What is, you know, cause for me, it's leadership is pretty nebulous. When I got into it, I was like, well, what's my job? What's my role? Like I was used to, Oh, I had to build this. I had to do this. Right. And so as you're starting to get into leadership, it's just gray. Everywhere is gray. And you're like, well, should I be leaning in here? Should I be doing this here? Right. So it's for me, it's really just trying to help help them to navigate of what does it mean when there's no clear job description and you kind of have to figure it out as you're going along with that, right? And it gets even more complicated um, as was brought up of, but wait a minute, I've got a solid and a dotted and then another dotted and who should I be listening to and where's that direction coming from? So it's really just trying to help them, you know, um, make sense of all the craziness that's going in their head. Yeah, that's a big one, Artie. And I think what you hit on is so important there. And I think we could probably, you know, spend some time expanding on it, which is when you move into leadership, there is this huge, and Courtney, you hit on it as well, right? This shift from what it means to be a peer or what it means to be a doer, right? I, my job is to execute on something to now you are a leader, right? Your job changes. And that is, I believe, and I've seen it in my own career, one of the hardest transitions that you have to make in leadership. Because I think once you make that transition and you continue that path, it starts to get a little more comfortable, right? The gray area is still there, but you're learning how to navigate it and be comfortable in that that ambiguous moment of what's happening next and where, where is my focus needed? But I think if we can spend a little time, I'd love everybody's thoughts on, you know, either your experience or how you've helped your own leaders navigate that shift, because that is a really hard shift in, you know, how do you step away from feeling like your job and your value comes from executing the task to really starting to move to where you're leading teams both directly and indirectly towards a vision, towards a goal for something that's bigger than Again, completing the task or completing the work, that's a really hard step to make in the, in the journey. You know, I would just say the one thing that I always advise people moving into those types of roles is you, you got to learn to trust the people that are working for you. You know, you got, it, it's really hard. I mean, as somebody who grew up through, you know, the engineering ranks and, 
you know, doing this stuff. I'm used to having, you know, hands-on keyboard to do a bunch of stuff. Right. And it's like, you know, you always see people in your org doing things, not in the same way you would do it, but you gotta, you gotta trust those people to make those decisions. You gotta let go. And frankly, that's the big difference between management and leadership. And there is a, a fundamental difference. And, you know, you really have to look at the situation and, you know, see where, where you're being in there. But really, I would say that the number one thing you got to do is, you know, tr trust the people that are working for you. Yeah, I like to promote this. I know coaching is a little bit of a buzzword and that can feel nebulous too, but uh, in the spirit of the Olympics and everything going on, I, I watch these teams and, you know, the coach doesn't try to be out in the field. The coach knows their players really, really well, understands their strengths, how people work together and uh, can make adjustments over time, but also you know, has a very clear objective and communicates that. And uh, with new leaders, I actually have had a lot of new new leaders. And I explained to them how I like to be coached. You know. I think we're losing you a little bit, Valerie. Um, as opposed to, you know, there's this is the hard it's the hard point because we're losing her and she can't hear us <laughs> i think she's in the matrix she took the red pill or the blue pill <laughs> we've all been there we've all been there i know and valerie when you're maybe when you're back i don't know if she can't i think she's gonna can't hear us quite yet um, you can hear the rest of what she's saying because it's good, good topics. The advice. Yeah, Valerie, maybe uh -huh. when you come back into a better connection, let us know because I think you were you were hitting on some great things. I already wrote down the coaching analogy, which I think is powerful. That's a really good analogy. If as the coach, your job is not to be on the field or in, in the team doing the team's role. Like you don't become like the point guard, like, right. You have to guide the point guard. You have to guide the team to be successful and help them see things they can't see, not do what they need to do. Um, which I think is, I love that analogy. I was just going to say that um, there's something from a coaching perspective and I didn't realize it at the time. That's basically what it was, but I had, um, the timing was great. I had been, um, wanting to work on career development with my team. I was moving into a new role and, um, I had been working through the book Radical Candor and they had, um, they suggested something around, um, doing, um, career development conversations or facilitating those with your team. And that's something that I incorporated into that first 90 days up front within the first two months. We had several consecutive conversations around their careers. And when I look back on it, they were really coaching questions. They were open-ended questions. They were to get the people to think about their dreams, you know, and their passions, their strengths. And it really, it, it built trust at the, at first and foremost so that you could build that relationship with them. Um, and then also it helped you understand how to better position them within certain projects and roles, different pursuits with, you know, that they wanted to, look at long-term within their career, short-term within projects and so forth. But I found that really valuable to execute on, you know, in that sort of like first 90 day experience. I love that. Um, and the, to your point that, you know, opportunity to build trust early, I think is super important. Um, the other thing that I think I wish I had, um, realized when I moved from kind of peer level to my first leadership role is your definition of first team changes. So now your first team is likely your peer group that is operating at the same level as you and reporting to whomever you're reporting to. And I think being explicit about that, like my individual contributor teammates are no longer my first team and surrounding yourself with people who you're going to lean on now to be successful, who might also have learnings that they could share because they're now operating or have been at the leadership level. So I think just that kind of explicit shift was something that I didn't really 
fully understand until later. I love that one. I think that's a really important one that a lot of people don't get is like, yes, you spend a lot of time with your direct reports and, you know, the team, the the larger team, but I think it is is equally important to establish those relationships with, with the peers. No, you know, your peers should know that you have each other's backs. You know, I've been very fortunate to be in, I'd say, you know, two or three times in my career have a really good set of, of peers around me who I know that, you know, will have, you know, I hate to say it this way, but have my back at a meeting when I'm not there or, you know, share, uh, you know, similar opinions or, you know, not that you want the same opinions, but, you know, the, the, the same philosophies on how, how you want to do stuff. And I've seen a lot of variance in, you know, peers that want to invest that time with you and, and what you want to put in. So I would say that's a super good one. It's just, you know, establish that relationship with the peer group as well. Hey, can you hear me now? Yes, you sound great. <laughs> Much better. I had to pull over. I'm driving to see my grandma's in hospice. So I, I, that's why sometimes either I'm not on or, um, or I'm driving. So apologies um, for that. I'd prefer to be in one spot, but trying to double duty it. Um, two books that I was going to offer on coaching uh, by Michael Bungay Stanier. Uh, Kelly, I, I texted it to you as well, just in case you want to put it in the LinkedIn follow-up. Thanks. Um, but, um, two, there are two, the advice trap, because we all fall into it, especially if we did the job and are one, like just a little bit removed and we know how to do it and we want to offer that advice. And then the other is the coaching habit. Um, and they, uh, you know, they kind of build on each other. I think the coaching habit came up first, then the advice trap. But if you were getting both of them, I would actually recommend the advice trap first to read. Um, but, but the essence of both is that people, um, it's more powerful for people to, you know, solve their own problems and, and, and work through things on their own, um, for a number of reasons. And it it goes into that, but it's really practical, uh, book, both of them are really practical books and dog-eared. And, um, he has one more called great work or do your, do your great work or something like that. Um, and he's a great person to follow as well. I'll probably be listening for the rest of this, but but it's been great so far. So thank you, Tyler. I, I really you. like that. Um, what I start to get from that is when you allow people to kind of work through it th- themselves, right? And you're there, and it's more of you're there to support, you're there to listen, right? You're there to answer questions, right? And so, and that that helps me too. Is when I'm working with new leaders, when I'm working to help try to develop people. Um, one of the things that I try to articulate is how do you articulate, how do you communicate a thought or a vision? And then are you open enough that say, and patient enough that says, are there any questions and sit there and answer any questions for as long as it's needed to drive clarity? Right. Because then I think it goes hand in hand with what people were saying is then once they have the clarity, you can allow them to explore. And then that starts to build the trust because they see, okay, you're not going to lean in on every single thing that they do because it's clear on where are we trying to go to? And if we can agree on where we're going to, yes, it's hard, but you can reflect of they actually did what I asked them to do. So it might not be the way I did it, but this is what we agreed upon. I love that advice. Yep. Yeah, and I think what you hit on, Artie, is, is really powerful too. And I think a good reminder is um, is getting to clarity and getting to vision and understanding that just because someone is doing something different than you would do it does not mean it is the wrong way. So I think we have to be open as leaders to always adjust and understand that, you know, we surround ourselves and we should always seek to surround ourselves that with people that, that augment, that complement, that fill gaps, that it's not about us being the experts in everything, but it's about us surrounding ourselves with people who who bring other skills to the table, investing in them and welcoming their perspective, which sometimes may be about us doing something differently or seeing a different perspective on how we might approach a problem. Again, back to that, don't solve the problem for them, you know, for your team, but actually be present to support, to hear, to answer questions, to provide, you know, different perspectives, but give them the space to navigate learning how to do something differently because again, learning is also always a journey on, on a leadership path, which is being open to the different ways of doing things and supporting those different, um, different approaches. 
So something that somebody told me, and I'd love to hear what this group's um, thoughts are on it of as being a leader. Something that somebody told me is it's not your job to do it. It's your job to ask questions to help the team explore. Hey, are we on the right path or is this the right, you know, the, the right answer or the right solution? So really as being a leader is not to do, but to ask the critical questions at the right time. Yeah, you know, I heard something similar. I, I met with a leader several years ago, a, a senior executive, and and one of sh- one of the things that she told me in her experience, which it sounds very similar, um, already to your point, you know, was was the higher up you go in your in your leadership career journey, um, and the higher levels that you you reach, the more that you are valued and paid based on 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 thinking right and critically thinking and asking questions then doing a task and i actually i've seen that in my own journey that a lot of it is about having those discussions and asking the questions and welcoming perspectives because i think that's such a critical part of of teaching right and again creating that space for your team be it direct or indirect to think through how to approach something versus I have a question to solve this problem for me. Instead, it's okay, let's work through it. What's happening here? How would you approach that? What's going on? What are we trying to get to? And it's far more empowering than here, just give it to me and I'll take care of it, which just demotivates your team. I'd add too that I think, you know, it's, it's a seasoned experienced leader. You know, already your, your title speaks for itself. You don't have to go out there and prove that you are the whatever leader you are. And I think it's about being, uh, in, in, in all situations where those are meetings, whether it's out in the Gemba, wherever you are, is, is to ask those questions, is to promote, you're gonna, you're gonna get a sense by asking the questions in whatever forum you're in, a venue, or you're meeting with, uh, with a vendor, you're meeting with a partner, you're meeting with a, with a peer or with your leaders is asking questions and being curious. You are going to identify where there's an opportunity to educate or to promote that learning. And I, I think it's just about that confidence in yourself and just, it's not about about the leader, and we've said this before. It's not about the leader. It's about the people. It's about those around you. And how do we get that clarity around the vision? How do we get the curiosity flowing? How do we get people? Uh, there's a book called Multipliers, which I, I'm reading right now, which I love. It's about the the multipliers versus the diminishers. The multi the multipliers are the ones that are going to promote ideas and get people thinking and get people sharing their what their thoughts are, asking questions and being comfortable being vulnerable versus the diminisher who is, I am the boss. I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to control everything because I'm smarter than everybody else in the room. I love that. Um, I was I was reflecting because at one point in my uh, like lean journey, um, I was leveraging the coaching kata, which is a really great way to like show up as a leader when you go to Gemba to ask questions. And at one point, I, I actually modified the questions because if anybody's familiar with them, they can be a little bit awkward to ask if you just take them at face value. So you kind of have to kind of uh, shape them a little bit. But essentially, rather than because what I kept falling into, and this might be, uh, you know, Valerie's comment about the advice trap, when people would come to me, I felt like I needed to give them answers. But instead, I shifted more to, you know, what is your current situation? Okay, what, you know, what is the next step you're going to take? And what does it look like? Like, what expected outcome do you think you're going to achieve through that next step? When can we check back in? Like, what are you going to, what action are you going to take? And then when should you and I regroup and see what you've learned from that? So trying to ask questions to Artie's point instead of, always trying to give the answer or advice that I think might, you know, be helpful. Um, so anyways, I don't know, Kelly and, and, and Tamara, if you want this, but I, I tracked down, I, I gave a talk where I shared those coaching kata questions and how I had modified them to work in what I would consider to be a broader context. And I can share those if that's helpful to post back out when we do the notes. Oh, please do. That would be wonderful. Thank you. I, I really like that, Courtney. And, and people probably don't know is um, I've partnered closely with Courtney and, and I've seen her ask me those questions as well. 
And, and what it's um, done for me, at least, in helping me grow as a leader is it helps to reaffirm, oh, wait a minute, there's somebody that, you know, I'm aspiring or you see uh, a leader out there and they're asking you questions that you're asking yourself. So therefore, you start to you can start to think of, hey, I might be on the right track, right? So it's helping to reaffirm, I'm not crazy. I, I kind of am thinking about a problem in a way that leaders think about it. So it helps, at least it helped me continue to grow on my journey. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, and, and I've, you know, it's, I'm going to use an, anal- I'm going to use an example of, you know, in, in my work environment. And that is I work in a hospital. So I work in healthcare and I work with, I have a big team of nurses that work with physicians and nurses and we have a, we're an advanced practice. So we have to have critical thinking there. And one of the things that I've, I've told my team before is that when you're going to a physician and you're going there and you're, and you're bringing a problem to them, and you're consistently doing that. What they see when they see you coming is that you are a problem coming at them and trying to get them to understand how you approach people. You have to find common ground first so that you can have a dialogue that you can start to open up the conversation and and then you can start to do the problem solving. So I tend to it, that's just kind of an analogy to get a sense of how other people may perceive them. Right. But also then to as they start to struggle with situations is to help them expand their perspective on how to be a creative problem solver, how to be a, how to look at this problem or whatever situation that they're dealing with from different angles and how then they can come to maybe something they never even thought was possible in terms of their problem solving. And, and, and as everyone has said, I think it's, again, it's just kind of a, a natural thing for new leaders to just want to give the answer because they're, they're still developing their own confidence and they're trying to establish that they, that they deserve to be a leader or whatever. So for what it's worth, that's my example. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we've been talking about, you know, this piece, you know, I think it's, if we always ask ourselves, well, why is this important and why, why should I care about this? You know, I've seen, I've seen the flip side of it. And I think, you know, we've talked about it even in past sessions, which is, you know, I've seen teams who have, have worked for leaders that, that didn't follow these principles that were always waiting for the answer and waiting for someone to tell them the next thing to do. And the reality is there's a lot of leaders out there that have built a lot of success in their careers and have gotten to very high ranking titles, et cetera, by leading this way. So I think it's, it's, it's understanding that you're going to run into other leaders and you're going to see that happen. But I've also seen what it does and the risk is that it, it completely stifles your talent the growth of your talent, the capabilities, being able to all the things we've talked about, being able to instill, you know, giving people the room to have, you know, critical thinking and to be able to, you know, tap into their passions and to have goals and and be able to kind of go forward in their career and have those open and transparent conversations about their careers. The flip side of it is it can be incredibly stifling and you can get to a team that has zero critical thinking. Um, and it's incredibly, again, I've seen very dedicated, wonderful people in my team that I've, that I've seen trying to push through and out of that, which just makes it so much harder because you're having to unpack a lot of really bad habits about what they thought success looked like. So that's the kind of really negative side of what happens if you don't really embrace some of these philosophies and you don't do the hard work because it is hard work and stay diligent and stay intentional with how you yourself embody this, but how you reinforce these principles within your team. And I, and I would say too, just kind of tagging on that, Kelly is, and I think what I said in, in my prior statement is just that I see a lot of people function at, at a level of fear. They're, they haven't built their confidence. They're still, you know, hesitant. They don't want to be too vulnerable. And I think once you finally open up and embrace it, that's part of the process for learning and for leading, then you're going to be more successful. Kelly, I really like that. Um, with that, what you brought up made me think of what type of leader do you want to be? Is it an I leader that I'm leading for my success or am I a we leader of I'm leading to build other leaders out there, right? Going kind of back to a sports analogy, do you want to be like a Bill Walsh or a Nick Saban where how many 
head coaches and leaders did have they fostered and created out there? They were successful, right, themselves, but it was more of I'm building leaders out here versus it's all about, hey, team, do what I want because look at my success. 100% agree. And I think it goes to what, you know, Tamara, you were just saying about about fear. And I think we talked about in past sessions, which is it also comes down to ego because I think it takes a strong leader. Again, either you're an I or a we. And I love that analogy of just the framing of it. It's like, what does this look like? And that's a hard question that I think every leader should be asking themselves is, are you are you focused on your career growth? And do you think that these are mutually exclusive situations where you can't be a successful leader and foster leaders because it's going to be detrimental to your growth. That's untrue. I think most people here would probably say that as well. Um, but it's important to, I think, acknowledge that sometimes the ego gets in the way and says, no, it has to be about me. I would say, you know, part of what I've looked at and, you know, definitely talked about with my team is, you know, I'm, I would look at it. And if I had, you know, everyone on my leaders on my team surpass me, that's fantastic. That is success. That means that I've actually grown the future leaders that are going to take our business and our teams forward into a new area that I wouldn't be able to. And I think it's, it's about stepping ourselves back and saying again, who am I as a leader to your point already? What am I here to do? And I may be successful in that, not only what I have my, for my job for the business, but what does that mean for my team? And where am I pushing myself out of my comfort zones, past my fear, past my ego, for the success of my leaders and my team? What That's I love about point. this, too, is it's kind of bringing us full circle to the beginning of the call where we talked about how do you, how do you feel good about kind of the tangibility and the value that you're adding when you move out of a, you know, a I'll say hands on keyboard role where you can really see your, your value. It's like as leaders, our value is growing other leaders and really that, you know, seeing that and, you know, investing in leaders is a version of your new. Well, I, I think on, on that as well is I think besides just, you know, what you're leaving in terms of the team, your long lasting effect uh, at a, at an overall organization. I mean, you can make some, some, some really amazing strides and, you know, just, uh, and Kelly probably could lean in. I think, no, there's a couple of Disney people on here. I was talking to, <coughs> excuse me, someone I used to work with a couple of years back about a program that we started over at the mouse, the, the maker mouse club. And which was this, uh, little, uh, effort that, you know, we tried to help sponsor that people just wanted to get together and innovate, uh, on, on some ideas. And, you know, at the time, I don't know how much real interest there was or whatnot, but, you know, we as leaders provided some, uh, you know, safety for it, some funding for it, some space for it. And, you know, I actually hadn't heard how the thing was doing for a couple of years. And when I was talking to this individual last week, they were telling me there's like 700 people in this thing now across multiple divisions. And it's just, you never really realize the longer term impact that you can have at a company, um, just by, by doing certain things. So I don't know, I don't know, Kelly, if you have any more on the maker mouse, cause I haven't been involved in a couple of years, but, um, I was shocked when I heard how big the thing has gotten. No, I think it's, I think it's just a great example that are your point. I think it, it's, it becomes a very big question, but it's understanding that if you ask like, well, you know, uh, in a heavy, very heavy way of thinking about it, which is like, what is your legacy? You know, what do you want to leave behind? It goes back to kind of who are you as your leader? And I think understanding to your example, Mako, that something that you start that could become so small or start out so small can have a snowball effect. Um, and I think it, it goes back to really, and there's, you know, different examples that I can think of as well, but I think Maker Mouse is a good example. There's others. There's definitely others that I've seen that took shape, you know, as part of your leadership at the time that you were at Disney, um, Mako, that still, I think are very successful and very embraced culturally as what, what the team stands for. And I think it comes down to what are the actions that we can take? Because, all right, we could have conversations around, for example, as a leader, I foster innovation and I foster um, disruption and thinking about things from a new perspective, trying new things. But if I never create space for my team to ever do that, if I never create space for them and their day to step out of minutia or empower them or reinforce that that's important to do, um, and I back that, be it through investment, through time, through space, through programs, then I don't really mean it. Right. Because, you know, saying that and then expecting your team to just figure it out on their own, never having the room to do it, 
it really negates that that's truly a, a value that you stand for. And I think that could be true for anyone at any level I think that's in their career as a back leader. To the beginning topic there. That's a great one. Actions over words. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. I can't tell you how many times in the last two or three weeks I've been asked, how would you define, uh, you know, your, your style around culture? And really, at the end of the day, culture is defined by your actions. It's not by, you know, talking to an organization and in all hands and saying a bunch of stuff and never really acting on those things. But it's, it's the things that you have tangible action on. And you can, you know, maybe measure and, and show progress on, but, but really it's just, it's just the things that you do versus the things that you say. And that's really where it comes down to at the end. Um, okay. So Amrita, did you have any other questions before we get ready to close out our session today? No, no, I, I don't have any rather. I just wanted to thank you each one of you for sharing your experiences and, and the wisdom that, you know, you, you guys carry. Um, and thank you so much for sharing it. There's one quote that I really love uh, from a book I just got and just started reading. It's it's called Unleashed uh, by Frances Frey. Uh, she's a Harvard professor and has been researching on this topic for a really, really long time. And I love the quote she has in that book. It says, leadership is never about you, but it's how effective you are at unleashing other people. Perfect. There's a nice quote for the end of the day. Um, so I won't need to do that piece. Um, so do we have any, Kelly, we did turn over, I guess, our takeaways. Anybody have any takeaways for next week? Well, I, I'm taking away that recommendation. So I appreciate that because I, it's funny, I used that term unleashed twice this week because we were in talent review sessions <laughs> and I was like we just need to unleash this person like they are they have all the indications of success but we just haven't given them the empowerment that they need to just just go forward so thank you for recommending that sure any other resources that anybody would like to share this week I, I wanted to put one plug in, um, make a year the one that, that mentioned it, which is the book Do Lead by Les McCowan. That's a really great one. It's an easy read. I would also recommend that one. And I think also I always put my plug in for Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty because I think a lot of it's just about, you know, keep managing ourselves and keeping ourselves in a, in a place of presence. I think we're more effective that way. One I would recommend um, is something that I'm reading as being a, a black leader. There's a book called Cracking the Corporate Code, where there's been uh, 32 black executives as uh, from their lens of saying, this is what it was like to get to where they are. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Um, there's a book, um, and I'll share this on the LinkedIn post as well, um, by Marsha Reynolds called Coach the Person, Not the Problem. Um, it's a great book. And then um, there's a PDF of some powerful coaching and leadership questions I, 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 as well. I, I shot over the, any, uh, the any links co- for Go the ahead. blueprint stuff to Kelly when she does the wrap up. Super, super excellent. And also, if anyone has any recommendations for podcasts, those may be uh, nice recommendations you can put into the uh, the wrap up or the the summary of the session as well. I'm just going to put in a plug for, this is something, this is based on makeoism, you know, especially when you're, when you get into rumination and overthinking things is, I love your whole write-up about be a goldfish by Ted Lasso about the happiest animal on earth is a goldfish. Why? I I have a lot to say about the season premiere, but I'm not going to spoil it because people have it. So. Yeah, it was excellent. If you guys get a chance, go out to Makeoism and, and, and read this. He did a great job. And I think it's it's just it's perfect, you know, for leaders. We know we can't ruminate. We can't look back at, at failures or mishaps or something we said that we regret. We have to just move forward and learn from those opportunities. Poor, poor Earl. Yeah. 
<laughs> You're so bad. Y'all all have to watch it now. <laughs> I was like, why don't they put all of the episodes out at once? I'm like, anyway, it's he's funny. I can't wait. I'm like, you remember when we were kids and literally had like but, a TV slide? You work there. You should be able to control the slate. I can't wait for a week. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I hear that all the time. That and technical support. Just call me. <laughs> Okay, well, everyone then, um, go out and lead in, in a fearless, courageous way and make a difference this week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next Saturday. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, all. Bye. Take care. Bye.